I'm your host, Anita Inslee, and this is Decode the Secrets to Your Success, a podcast series to unveiling the secrets for success in the entertainment industry and educating performers. This episode is entitled 10 Vocal Fundamentals for the Serious Singer. My guest today is Amanda Wanza Morgan. Amanda was music assistant for the world premiere of the Broadway musical The Prom at the Alliance Theater. She has been a professional theater artist since the age of 18. She is a professional composer, music arranger, music director, director, and actor. She has worked on over 100 shows, 66 of which were as an actor. In addition to her professional theater career, she serves as the coordinator of musical theater and associate professor of theater and performance studies at Kennesaw State University. She is a former faculty member of the University of Mississippi and former education director for Charleston Stage. You can find out more about Amanda on her website linked to the details section of this podcast. Thank you, Amanda, for joining me with this discussion today. I know you're busy with the opening <laughs> of Rap Time, yeah. um, and you have carved some time out of your busy schedule for me, so thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you for asking me. My pleasure. Tip number one. Vocal warm-ups are as important as physical exercise. Proper vocal warm-ups improve vocal production while protecting the vocal folds from injury. Your voice needs the same daily attention that your body does. Proper diet and exercise are also as important to the voice as it is for the body. Take your voice to the gym if you are going to depend on it for your career. Pull out those apps, those recorded warm-ups, or trill to three mid-range songs in succession you will hear and feel great results. Now, Amanda, I know you have a lot to say about this. And one of the wonderful things that you and I discuss is when we're teaching how important it is to us to impart to our students the value of warming up. So Mm -hmm. I know you have a lot to say about this, so ready, (laughs) set, go. (laughs) Well, first of all, most of my students at Kennesaw State where I teach Um, all come through an introductory course that I teach, and I try to teach it every semester so that I can um, make sure that they get these specific skills, right, in this order. Part of that group voice, it's a voice class, essentially, Mm -hmm. and part of that voice class is training them how to warm up and how to practice in the practice room. And some students, and because I teach in a BA environment, uh, some of my students come in with years of voice lessons. Some of them have zero voice training. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them have somewhere in between, right? Some choir, some this, some that. And well, you and I both you and I both know that even in a BFA program, there are students that have never had voice training. Sure, 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 sure. Well. And I think that we uh, a common misstep in upper and higher ed, and sometimes in the professional world, is to assume that everyone kind of knows how to do the mm-hmm. thing. Exactly. And, and that is a poor assumption. <laughs> it is, especially since musical theater is so interdisciplinary. Yeah, a musical theater performer could have 13 years of dance and no voice, or or vice versa, right? Right, right. So the aim of that class 
for me is to get all of my students on the same page. And, and mm-hmm. it's just like, I, I use a lot of analogies of athletics and dance, right? It never hurts right. to do a bar, a bar routine, even if you've had 15 years of dance. It never <laughs> hurts to go back to the basics of vocal function. So in that class, we start with what I call the voice lecture, and I do it over the course of, um, of the equivalent of eight to nine hours of class. So that could be spread out over three weeks or two weeks if, I, if we meet multiple times a, um, yeah. a week. And, and, that, and I, I want to interject here before mm-hmm. we lose people um, because you're talking about the college level. Oh, I yeah. Wanna, <laughs> I want to include that um, my studio is filled with professionals and some who've been working oh, yeah. 30 years and some who've been working two years. I mean, right. and there are people that don't warm up and don't know the value of warming up. So oh, if yeah. you're out there listening to this, I want you to stay tuned. It's not just for the college level. Well, yeah, so with professionals, um, I try to provide anyone that's coming to work with me with a toolbox um, ranging from, for example, I have a Google Drive with over 60 exercises that I provide, and they all kind of have different purposes for the warm-up. But anyway, Mm -hmm. every singer should think of their voice the way an athlete thinks of the muscles in their body, right? right? And, and, And for the singer, it's not just the vocal folds, which we know to be muscles, themselves, mm-hmm. but all the muscles that help with the mechanics of singing, like the intercostal muscles of the ribs, the transverse abdominal right. muscles that aid in the diaphragmatic movement, all of that great stuff, those muscles need to be warm. And quite honestly, oxygen makes our muscles work, right? Oxygen mm-hmm. feeds the blood flow to our muscles. And mm-hmm. if it's not properly flowing across the entire body, we don't mm-hmm. get the support that the entire breathing mechanism from the diaphragm all the way up to the soft palate needs to properly function, right? And so a warm-up for a singer needs to address the muscle groups that are working to, to, you know, support those little tiny vocal folds that are the size of our, you know, the whites of our pinky nail, you know? Right, right. Um, I think that a proper, quote, proper, an efficient warm-up needs to be, you know, it doesn't need to be longer than 20 minutes, uh, but it definitely needs to include um, and I have a I have a document that I share with everyone I work with, professional students, high school students, college students. I call it the essential warm up. It starts with body, Ooh. breath, range, uh, mm-hmm. power, mm-hmm. Uh, articulation, and qualities. When I say qualities, I mean the styles of singing that you're going right. to sing. A rock musical like Spring Awakening is different than Camelot. So once right. you handle the basics like body, breath, range, power. Agility is one of them too, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> up and down the scale. Yeah. And for, you yeah. know, in, in classical, we call it cadenza and pop rock, right, we call right, it a riff, right, right? Right. We need to make sure that the muscles are relaxed enough and yet engaged enough to, to complete those tasks. And just because you're walking and talking all day doesn't mean Ooh. that the, the inspiratory, the singing muscles, right? right? All the muscles from the vocal folds down to the transverse abdominals are working in conjunction for you to do the job of the night, you know? And so you're saying by warming up, you Mm -hmm. are purposefully engaging everything and exercising everything, You warming up everything you need to use for your specific style of singing. Yeah, because I think a lot of professionals are like, oh, I've been talking all day, I'm warm. And that's, that's, you know, number two. (laughs) Well, you know, I played basketball growing up and softball growing up. And if I had a game at night, that's like saying, oh, I don't need to do stretching and warm up for the, and I don't need to throw the ball and do drills before the games because I've been talking and walking. I've been walking around all day. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. ridiculous, you know, right. and the way, right. the way we use the entire mechanism to talk 
um, whether it's casually or like in an oratory sense, like if you've been teaching all day, it's uh-huh. totally different. And we want to exactly. like wake those muscles up to say, hey, buddies, thanks for being, <laughs> thanks for bearing with me all day, but like we're going to do yeah. this thing now and I need right. to be ready. <laughs> right. Excellent. Bravo. Tip number two. Singing and talking are not warm-ups for singing. Just as dancing is not a warm-up for dancing, just as running is not a warm-up for running, vocal warm-ups are gentle exercises that soothe and protect the vocal folds. Lip or tongue trilling for at least 10 to 20 minutes provides a gentle warm-up that puts less pressure on the vocal folds than singing. Warm-up with accompaniment. Acapella warm-ups don't exercise pitch accuracy. If you don't have a recorded warm-up, trill three of your favorite songs that sit in your mid-range and do not venture out into the extreme upper range. Also, trill the material you are about to perform or rehearse. So again, you wouldn't walk into the gym and head straight to the free weights and start lifting in 35-pound weights for your bicep. <laughs> no. You just wouldn't do it. And <laughs> and and if you're really thinking about the vocal folds as well as the other inspiratory muscles in the way that you think about the way you use your muscles for physical fitness, right? Mm-hmm. You have to build build it up, right? You go to the gym, you stretch, you start with your 10 pounds or your 15 pounds and you work your way up as to wake the muscles up. Because the three things that we're aiming for ultimately is strength, Mm -hmm. flexibility, and stamina. Yes. Right? Yes, exactly. And so trills are great. Um, And I also, this is a great concept that Jillian Keyes uses, that the lungs are the source. And who is Jillian Keyes? Uh, she wrote a great book called Singing and the Actor, and, and admittedly, she was a she was an Essel person or took mm-hmm. some of the ideas from the Essel voice systems and made them her own, but I just like this particular concept. The lungs, okay. are the, sorry, the lungs are the power, the right. larynx, the voice box is the source, mm-hmm. and the resonator, like the lips, tongue, teeth, mouth, palate, those are the, that's the filter, so power source filter, right? Mm-hmm. I take it one step further for the metaphor of engine, gas pedal, oh. Okay, right? So, okay. Okay, so coming into the studio and just working with your engine is doing some basic breath exercises, inhalations, mm-hmm. exhalations, loosening up, mm-hmm. yoga, whatever. But mm-hmm. then when you add the gas, right, when you start to put your foot on the gas, trilling mm-hmm. is a way to trilling. And then sometimes if you can't trill, an NG hum, hum with your, with your mm-hmm. tongue up against your palate, mm-hmm. that's a great way to tap on the gas pedal Ooh. without worrying about the steering wheel, right? Okay. Um, I use this metaphor a lot with people I'm working with because, they, first of all, I get it because everybody, most everybody drives, right? <laughs> Unless you're dealing with a New Yorker. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> or me. But, but the way you <laughs> drive the car on an interstate during rush mm-hmm. hour, or I should say on the interstate um, on a road trip when your car's on cruise, is very right. different than when you're down in a downtown area trying to find parking, Right, so okay. it's still the same car, but you're driving it a different way, right? Sure. So when we're warming up, we want to start with the basics, just using the larynx and not bothering with the resonator, because the minute you start with vowels, your tongue's getting engaged. Right. 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 And then exactly. that's gonna it's gonna cause you. So this is important when I'm teaching my teaching people about practicing, mm-hmm. because then when we're singing a song, right, 
I think a lot of people go into a practice session and they're like, I'm just going to sing through my song four times. Right. What I'm going to do. <laughs> right. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> like right. sing through it once, do a zoom, what I call a zoom in to your trouble spots. But then when you're there, it's like, how do I handle the trouble spots? Well, mm-hmm. back it up and ask the question, can I make the notes happen? And trilling and NG humming right. is going to answer that question. So that's why it's True. really essential, an essential part of the warm-up process to just start with them. Just get the vocal folds vibrating and phonating. Great to do in the shower. Without engaging the tongue. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, vibrating and phonating, you know, if you could do it in the shower, my, you know, walk around the halls doing it. It's not, it's not invasive to other people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's just a great way to stay warm, even throughout the day. You know, when I'm, I'm teaching all day in yeah. classes, I'm going in a low, nice low tone where my folds are nice, nice and thick. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's like giving your muscle a little massage or a little foam Exactly, bowl. exactly. That's something I say all the time. But I you just said something um, about all day um, in mm. between teaching. Mm. Um, I think that's something other people don't think about is if you've warmed up at ten o'clock and you see your coach at four, mm. you need to do some. You need to warm up again. Mm-hmm. I you agree. need to make yes. sure things are working because it's like dancing and then sitting down for three hours and then getting <laughs> yeah. up in front, you know, it's yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. Um, and, and, and people in the arts, you know, a lot of us have jobs that, you know, because of our skill sets, we're talking, mm-hmm. we're working box office, we're teaching, right. we're recruiting, right. we're doing sales, we're serving, we're waiting tables, we're using our voice, but again, in a non-intentional way, you mm-hmm. know, again, if we were athletes and we were at the gym all day, you know, you would need to rotate what you're doing in order to make your exercises the most efficient. Tip number three, hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. The sound of the voice while speaking or singing is created by the vocal folds vibrating. Hydration keeps the vocal folds flexible and helps maintain the mucus lining that protects them. Vocal folds are hydrated after the body is hydrated with water. 64 ounces of water should be consumed every day, even days that you aren't singing. Mark a water bottle and consume eight ounces every hour. In eight hours, you will have consumed your 64 ounces. Something that young, that not even young, performers do is chug water before an audition. And uh-huh. that's not how it works. Like, no, the water, I think there's a misconception, like, oh, if I drink water right now, it will hydrate my soul. Yes, and it's like, no, no it no. goes in your body, into your right. bloodstream, right. and then and then lubricates your entire body, which and then, in, in turn keeps you healthy, right? Our body right. is a pharmacy. Yeah. And, and it's your greatest strength for your pharmacist, right? Their payment, their salary is water. <laughs> mhm. Yes. Um and so by doing by doing that I hope that I am creating a response that after every two exercises they're mm-hmm. drinking or they're doing something so that they know it's it because you're right. Your your vocal folds are hydrated after everything's working the way it's supposed to. Right. So right. right um do you happen to to know the side effects of not hydrating and singing? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, you know, the the top layer of the vocal folds 
well, the top two layers, the epithelium and the lamina propria, the LP, right? Mm-hmm. They, they're supposed to vibrate like jello. And Matt, this is from Matt Edwards. I'm totally stealing from Matt Edwards from Shenandoah, wonderful teacher. Mm-hmm. He has a great lecture that's on, on YouTube. He did it at Duke. It's about an hour long. It's got great anim, animation really? and stuff in it. Oh, yeah, and I use it for my voice lecture. But he talks about this, this metaphor that, you know, those top layers of your vocal folds are like jello. And mm-hmm. if you leave Jello out on the counter overnight, it develops mm. a crusty layer to it. And and mm-hmm. you don't want you need we need proper vibration in order to get that great mm-hmm. function. So mm-hmm. you can even hear it in my voice. My voice is a little dry today because I've been in ragtime rehearsals every mm-hmm. night this week, yelling as mm-hmm. a director and trying mm-hmm. to support. But you know we we have our lives. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know so on one hand we need to hi- we need to drink water to hydrate. On the other hand. You know, if we're drinking a lot of caffeine or alcohol, it's going to dehydrate. Right. Right. And so mm-hmm. two wrongs make a very wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So some yeah. of us, especially the professionals, you know, we've got to have our coffee. We've got to have our caffeine to get through the day. And yeah. unless you have a week off to to, with, to handle withdrawal, which no one <laughs> ever has. Right. I've tried it myself. Right. No. And it's like. Great. I'll do that when I have a two week period free. And it's like, and no. when is that? Right. So for every, you know, for every 12 ounces of caffeine you have, you have to counterbalance it with 24 ounces of water. And then you have oh, to I double up. That. Okay. All that. Kind of All right. stuff. Oh, sure. Same thing with alcohol too, right? Like, yeah, you know, if you have a margarita, then you need to counterbalance it with, with double the hydration, double the water. Because oh. they have dehydrating properties, caffeine and alcohol do, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so I think that I think that good practice, my, one of my good practices is I have many water bottles, mainly because my husband works as a technical director, facilities manager, and he always has them in lost and found and he brings them home. But I have, <laughs> I mean, I have a spare bottle in my car, in my office, three at home, oh. one in my gym oh. bag, one in my, um, actually in my purse or my, my work bag, right? Like I have, okay. and I know which one is where, right? My Slytherin water yeah. bottles in my work bag, my red <laughs> water bottles in my office. And okay. I have extra, uh, like, hard water bottles in my office available for the same purpose that you do when my students come in mm-hmm. or someone comes to visit. I offer them if they need if they don't have a water bottle, they can use it because there's a water fountain right outside my office. Mm-hmm. And then I take them home, you know, on Fridays and I clean them. So that's mm-hmm. that's there too, you know. Um, that, that's very yeah. nice. So yeah, it's a part of it. Um, and also very modeling smart. that, um, just modeling it for the exactly students while I'm exactly. drinking while I'm working. Mm-hmm. Um, rehearsal, you know, I think this is really important too. This is a little tangent, but if for professionals and those at the collegiate and high school level in shows, you know, mm-hmm. really using your breaks wisely. I think a lot of people take re- re- rehearsal breaks. They use that time mm-hmm. to talk or go on social media or get wild mm-hmm. or God forbid approach the music director and make them plunk things out, which is the director's break too. But yeah. like that's the time too. use the facilities. We call a bio break, right? Drink mm-hmm. some water. Oh. You know, mm-hmm. eat a protein-filled snack, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and really using your breaks like to to keep take your engine running. Yeah, to take care of yourself. Very good. I love it. Some excellent advice and information. Thank you. <laughs> Tip number four: A singing career requires continued vocal training. Proper vocal instruction provides guidance for vocal health and maintenance. It also keeps the vocal production improving. As the body matures, so will the voice. Stay under the tutelage of professional qualified vocal instructor.
I like the idea of a tune-up. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think mm-hmm. we need, I, I don't think professionals need to be in weekly voice lessons, you know, years upon years upon end, because mm-hmm. it's just like a physical trainer. It's just like having a personal trainer. It behooves mm-hmm. us, especially as we hit those pivot points of voice change. You mm-hmm. know, everybody thinks of mm-hmm. puberty and menopause as the only pivot mm-hmm. points, but they're not, you know, around 1920. And then again, right. around in the mid thirties, like I am now. You know, there are significant changes going on as, as people's metabolism slow down, as their bodies process different chemicals. Right. It all affects the voice and how our body works. If you gain or lose significant amounts of weight, you know, mm-hmm. or go through mm-hmm. a toning process in which you, in your, which your muscles change, right? If you have a baby, right. I mean, those, right. all, yeah. those, all those pivot points, um, you know, really require kind of a tune-up to go back to a professional um, even if it's for just a couple of months to mm-hmm. just get some feedback. And also because the industry and the way we examine voice pedagogy based on science, mm-hmm. um, develops, developments in science change, like it's so exciting. The way I teach is so different from the way I taught five years ago. And that's yes. different from the way I taught 10 years ago. So for right. someone to come visit me for a tune-up who hasn't had me in five or six years, I have so much more um, right. knowledge and, and information and perspective on things so or when you when you get to be my age and still performing I'm 55 mm-hmm. um, I have people who are my age and older yeah. and you do need tune-ups and they need to be sure. a little bit more frequently because your body changes rapidly mm-hmm. just as if you were younger much younger mm-hmm. and the um, roles that you get cast in are different so right. the repertoire is different right mm-hmm. and so it requires right. your voice use in a different way and if you find that you have any issues, like you mm. said, when you're professional, make sure you find someone oh, that is yeah. willing to assess your instrument and your career. Mm. Because mm-hmm. when you're a certain age, even if there's some technique that, that is not good technique, you don't want your voice teacher to deconstruct everything that you've worked for decades. Oh, to, right, yeah. To stabilize. Um because I well, find that that's true. I have to nitpick and say, okay, what is our focus? And I, I and I have conversations in my head that I don't necessarily have with the singer. Oh, of course. Um, of course. And, and my job is to be the bevy, is to be the library, and then give right. them a book they need to check out. In terms of right, exactly. Yeah. And so you need to find someone that's going to assess what you have and not, like you said, stick to their old practices or stayed practices huh. and address what you have and, and, and what you need. Because I do have professionals that come every week, but it's because they're, they have spent a decade or so performing a certain way and they have aged out of mm-hmm. um, their cachet of roles that they usually yeah. play yeah. and they've um, created a vocal situation that needs some redirection to get them into their next phase. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, and you can record your warm-ups and, 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 and the work and the correction practices that you have. But, mm-hmm. yeah, everyone should stay under somebody's tutelage, but you have to make sure you have the right person. Right. And I, and I uh, tangential to that is to address address issues like allergies and acid reflux up mm-hmm. front. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's mm-hmm. a go, you know, go to an allergist and get mm-hmm. tested. Even if you don't have insurance, it's like four or $500 for consummate complete testing. And then 
I just, every spring, and it's about to happen, professionals and students alike, they come in with this apologetic tone, like, oh, my allergies are acting up, so I'm sorry. And I'm like, what are you doing? They're like, well, I'm taking clear and I hope it kicks in. And it's like a hope yeah. and a prayer. And it's like, what are you yeah. allergic to? I don't know. Just like the season change. And I'm like, no, I'm allergic to box elder trees. I'm allergic to bluegrass, Kentucky bluegrass. I'm allergic to cats <laughs> as a four, dogs at a two, dust as a four plus. You know what I mean? Like, I know. Yeah what I'm allergic yeah. to in the different levels so that I can stay away from those things and or manage those things. And I've had so many years of testing different allergy meds. It's like, I know what works for me. Zyrtec and Singular, yeah. you know, yeah. and it's like, you know, uh, I also have a document that I provide people that I work with just to, again, I'm not a doctor, but mm-hmm. I, it's a, it's a simple document just outlining the differences between a decongestant and expectorant, a suppressant, really? an antihistamine. Oh, wow. Yeah, because like mucus, oh, you're prepared. It's not the same as Robitussin. It's not the same as Sudafed. It's not the same as Dayquil and Nyquil. You got to know wow. what chemicals you're putting in your body before you go. Like you should not take an expectorant before a show. Do not take Mucinex DM before a show. You take it in the morning, the next morning, so you can cough it all out. If you have a cough, yeah, right? you shouldn't be singing <laughs> right. on any of that junk. But if you do, like you need to, so I go through that with my students too, Very just good. a one pager and just an outline of, and you can Google it. What's the difference between an expectorant, wow. a suppressant and a decongestant. And there are great articles out there that just break it down nice and simple so that you're not just like buying the generic, you know, right. day and knife well. It's like, if you get a cold and you're in a show, you need uh-huh. to know how to manage it hour by hour so that uh-huh. you're not singing in a way that you're not you're not going to cause further long-term damage exactly. and knowledge is power and and it's your body it's your it's your it's your wheelhouse you know so hey everybody that's brilliant yeah. <laughs> that and that's awesome. the same thing it's like you know, when if push comes to shove, if you don't know, go get scoped. One one six hundred dollar visit it may save your entire career. It may answer all. I just see so many professionals go for a decade, just like managing the crud, three months mm-hmm. out of the year. And it's like, mm-hmm. what if you could just get get yeah. ahead of it? I mean, Singular saved my life. I, I could be a commercial for that stuff, and it's prescription, <laughs> but it's ten bucks a, a, a you know a bottle. And mm-hmm. it's amazing because Zyrtec and Allegra and um, Claritin are designed to fight the histamines once they've started to develop, right? Mm-hmm. So they're kind of on the, they're basically, they're inside the fortress, but Singular is a guard at the gate. So it's designed Ooh. to stop allergens to getting to your immune system before they, before they do. And I mean, it changed mm-hmm. my life. So, but everybody, you know, you gotta, you gotta experiment to know. So Experiment yeah. and see your doctor. See it up exactly. Very good. Thank you yeah. for that. That's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Tip number five. A vocal instructor and vocal coach are not the same. A vocal instructor has the skill to build the vocal instrument from its fundamental stage. Sometimes it involves deconstructing the instrument and rebuilding it with solid vocal production. A vocal coach will take the voice in its current stage and maximize its potential. This may involve warm-up exercises that improve production, but major deconstruction isn't part of the plan. Make a list of improvements you would like to make and label each as either a goal that requires vocal development or performance development. If there are any vocal development goals, make sure your vocal coach 
is also a vocal instructor. Ooh, this is, <laughs> this is, um, this is interesting territory because uh, sometimes I sit on church committees for people and, you know, as a coordinator mm-hmm. of a concentration, mm-hmm. I need to kind of vet these kinds of things. And yes. when I ask people this question, it's like, what's your experience with vocal instruction and or coaching? Um, it gets a little dicey, right? So I think of, I think of a vocal teacher, technique teacher or instructor mm-hmm. as someone who has a strong knowledge base of an anatomy. Mm-hmm. who has a strong and again this might be controversial but like who can also who also has experience in doing the thing and can demonstrate the thing, the thing. oh in singing. Oh, singing okay right you know so there are a lot of great pianists out there who who are mm. who are who are music you are developing into touchy. <laughs> i know who are great vocal coaches yeah but i mean how can yeah it's just like dance like how if, if I'm taking ballet from someone who never really danced ballet, you know what I mean? Like, I could teach a ballet class, essentially, because I took so many years of dance. I was never a high-quality ballet dancer, mm-hmm. right? So I wouldn't feel qualified to really talk to someone about how their body needs to move and, mm-hmm. and diagnose and assess without mm-hmm. having the experience of figuring it out myself. Yeah. So yeah. I know it's controversial, but, like, mm-hmm. it is what it is, right? Um, yeah. Of so I think a vocal technique teacher needs to at least have, and again, it doesn't, I'm not saying what level it needed to be at. You know, I was never on Broadway and I, you know, but I performed regionally and X, Y, and Z, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I had years of singing lessons mm-hmm. and technique lessons. Technique. You have undergone. Technique. Technique. Yes. Right. I feel like a vocal <clears throat> coach um, has stronger skills in, and I, and I honestly, I am a hybrid, but that's neither here nor there. Right. Mm-hmm. My, when I put on my vocal coach hat, I'm really mm-hmm. dealing with musicianship skills and right. um, a closer right. connection to script and score analysis and exactly. the material and the interpretation of the material mm-hmm. and maybe helping make the singer make some vocal choices mm-hmm. that align with mm-hmm. that material. But someone who's a vocal coach may or may not be able to also translate that into what's happening in the body. Right? right. So that's why I'm a true hybrid, because from a vocal coach hat on, I can say, oh, you know, she's why is this dissonance here? Um, perhaps you can flip it there if you can't belt it because mm-hmm. it can be justified in this acting way. And then I'll put mm-hmm. on my voice teacher hat and say, well, let's talk about the position of your cricoid cartilage. Like, let's do this mm-hmm. exercise and see if we can get that sound out. What's happening mm-hmm. with your abdominals mm-hmm. in that moment? Right. Like, and uh, my experience as a singer I had a professional voice instructor, and she was well-known in the States, and it was for everyone that had opera, you know, careers in opera, you know, and that was for three years I decided to to do that, um, and I went to a coach one time. I really didn't know what a coach was, right. and um, the difference for me was, I don't even remember the aria I was working on. But, you know, in that discipline, the head voice comes down pretty far. Yes, yes. But there came a point, and and head voice is a vocal production, um, in an area where you would normally use your chest voice or belt it for, just to make the terms more clear, I guess. Yeah. Um, Your head voice is pretty low, and I couldn't, um, it was unstable. And if I was nervous, 
it, 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 didn't, it would breath out, yeah. Yeah, and um, my coach said, just use a chest voice. Put <laughs> dome on it and use your chest voice down there. That was something my voice teacher would never have said. Mm. You know, yeah. she, you know, because she was my technical guru and mm. she was, I was paying her dearly to get my, keep my profession where it was and, you know, mm-hmm. articulation and certain sounds and reviews on those things were, you know, pretty brutal um, mm-hmm. in, in a way that you don't have in musical theater. Mm-hmm. Vocal production is not assessed quite the same way. And um, Well, no, and I, and I think of, um, uh, if you mind, I'll interject. The other no, the analogy I use for that is the sense that um, classical training is amazing foundation, um, but but classical singing is is predominantly exists in the same style, right mm-hmm. across mm-hmm. the discipline. And mm-hmm. so it's like if I musical theater is essentially the golden corral buffet of singing, stuff, <laughs> right? Whereas like if yeah. I'm trained as a classical singer, I learned to cook, say, you know, uh, Mexican food, right? Like I learned mm-hmm. to cook one style of food, and that is my wheelhouse. And it's still mm-hmm. excellent cooking. It's great yeah. cooking technique. And but it's like, a heightened skill and a beautiful artistry that right. You know, and there might be some quesadillas served at the golden corral. But if you're going to be in musical theater, you need to know how to cook steak and then uh-huh. quesadillas and then, like, donut fritters or whatever. Yeah, know? yeah. Whatever they throw in there. I've never actually done that. Just using, like, a common, you know, yeah. it's a buffet of singing style. Right. And so right. that's why I encourage people doing musical theater. Like, classical training is amazing. I do not knock mm-hmm. it. I had it. I had it for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, however... Then, mm-hmm. you know, you put it in, like, one silo and pocket of how you drive your car, how you use your instrument, and start to, you know, and so a vocal, so basically my point is a vocal coach will be able to um, kind of maybe help you navigate your different styles, too, whereas a technique right. teacher is going to help you develop yeah. those styles. Or take the instrument you have and, and reach your goal mm-hmm. and not necessarily look at it in terms of a technique. Yeah. But a performance skill, yeah, just yes. you know, yeah. So, and, um, and then you have someone like me or you that's both. Mm-hmm. So you know, yeah, good for and you good, you can blend it. And mm-hmm. I try to make um, people aware of when I'm doing one or the other, so that mm-hmm. should they leave me, they understand or move away. I have people that go to other parts of the world and mm-hmm. they, they go back home to New York or, you know, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And if they need to find someone else, they can make the distinction between the two. Yeah. And then there's a rep coach, right? Which I think is kind of Ooh. leading into your next question. Like a rep mm-hmm. coach is literally someone who helps you find repertoire because they're a nerd mm-hmm. and they have access to all of the time, right? you know? So yeah, that's I'm kind of thanks to you. <laughs> you feed my habit and I love that. Um, well, you know. All right. <laughs> Very good. Good segue. Yeah. <laughs> Tip number six. Develop vocal repertoire beyond the titles that are the recent trend. Popular songs will be sung several times during an audition day. It is easier to keep the interest of the casting team when you present material they have not heard all day. In addition to listening to the programming on music apps, Listen to the entire cast album of the song that interests you. It is possible that you will find a lesser known song that connects with you as well as the popular song. I would like to start this one by, there's something in this 
tip that could be offensive to a casting director, which I spent about four or five years doing, and I wrote it anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it is keeping the interest of a casting oh, team. Sure. Um, a good casting agent, director, or person is going to be attentive to all, yeah. everyone all day. They yeah. really will. However, the point We're I human. would like to make um, is even though you have a good skill of listening and assessing, when that song kicks in that you've heard 10 times before, you really <laughs> yeah. do have, it doesn't make you disengage. You have to work really hard to filter out um, yeah. your thoughts and pay yeah. and focus in on, on the artistry you need to focus in on to make the, make some assessment of the person in front of you. Now, I'm going to contradict myself and having said that, <laughs> if, if you are in line waiting to go in and the person in front of you or two people in front of you sing your song, don't panic. No. Because the people behind the table can, like I said, calm their thoughts and focus in on the artistry that is in front of them. Well, now, <laughs> I got some yes. nuggets for this. I got some nuggets okay. for this. Okay. At the end of the day, yeah. your audition piece needs to say three things, and I am stealing this from G.P. Boyle, who is a pop okay. rock coach who used to be based in L.A. and now he's in New York. Okay. Your audition pieces need to say, this is who I am, this is what I do, this is what I love. Yeah. Yes, and not, I'm going to be anybody you want to get this job. Right. And, and if, if, Gimme Gimme from Thoroughly Modern Millie, and this is a, a song that's done a lot, right? Mm -hmm. If Gimme Gimme from Thoroughly Modern Millie, or Alone by Heart, if you're in the pop rock world, because you hear that mm -hmm. a lot, right? Mm -hmm. If Gimme Gimme or Alone by Heart is absolutely, if you have exhaustively searched, if you've done your research, mm -hmm. and at the end of the day, you're like, Gimme Gimme is the best song <laughs> Mm -hmm. to, to tell the casting people for this particular project, mm -hmm. this is who I am, this is what I do, this is what I love, then it absolutely should be the song that you sing because you will love it and be connected to it and, and perform it well. Absolutely. Now, and I have to say, I have heard those songs sung by people who have decided that those songs are the epitome of who they are and you yeah. sit back and watch that person and you go, oh, Snap. Yeah, you say live your yes, life, girl. Live your life. <laughs> or whoever yes. voice, you know, live yeah. your life. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you know, if we hear it twelve times, chances are a couple of those times are going to clearly be because it's the only it's the first song they came across or it was mm -hmm. in the anthology the one anthology they have on their shelf or whatever. And again, there's a lot mm -hmm. more forgiveness at the high school level and even early college. At the professional right. level though, it's like mm -mm. You know, mm -hmm. there's so much repertoire out there. So many musicals are asking for pop rock nowadays, which the repertoire is even larger. Mm -hmm. I highly recommend, if you're going to sing pop rock music, to check out Sherry Sanders and all of her material on musicnotes.com or on her website, Rock the Audition, the coaching material, the videos that explain how to get pop rock music in your body based on the era. Oh. Like, mm, there's mm -hmm. so much. I mean, she is, I, I just love her, and we are, we are colleagues and friends. But because I mm -hmm. saw her teach, and I just was like, I need some, I need just some of the Kool Aid that you're handing out. Um, <laughs> but you know, so so I would say that the other, and uh, as you can tell, I love metaphors. The metaphor that I developed last year, which I'm super proud of about audition material, yeah, is that uh, your audition material is a pair of glasses, and okay. if you put that up material, the glasses should be as clear as possible to help us see you and your talent and your 
the glasses soul. that we wear glasses. as the casting team? No, no, as I wear. Okay. As a person, right? If I okay. put on, if I took a piece of material that's basically sunglasses, mm-hmm. oh. and I put it on my face, it doesn't mean I can't okay. see the material. It's just going to make it super hard for the casting directors to see my eyes, to see me, right? Mm-hmm. So if I, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a, I'm a uh, character, I've always been a strong, brassy character lady, in my, and now I'm finally in my mid-30s, so hallelujah, I'm almost the age of the roles I need to play, but I've been meant to play since I was 16, and I need to know what to do with my teacher, right? But like, I'm ready yes. for all the mom roles, I'm ready, yes, I'm you not are. my book, right? But if I go into an audition, right, and I have years of acting and acting and singing training on my belt, and I have this range, and I have this all this great stuff. If I go into an audition with I'll know from Guys and Dolls, which is never a piece I would think to sing. But say say I do. Say I'm like, oh, I'm just like into this piece right now. I'm looking at it. because that piece is an ingenue piece, right? And it's high. Okay. It doesn't sit in the meat of my okay. range. I click. Okay. I can sing it, right? But mm-hmm. it's not a role that like. If you know me, it's not Sarah Brown and I don't have a lot in common. Right. <laughs> Sarah Brown is the character that sings. Right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'll know when my love comes along. I won't take a chance. She's strong, but like she, yeah, I, I just wouldn't say She learns so, to be strong. Yes. Right. So, so again, I could go in and make some really interesting acting choices mm-hmm. and navigate it vocally. It's mm-hmm. just like, but I'm putting a pair of sunglasses over my face. It's going to make it hard for the casting directors to really see me. However, if I walk into an audition with, um, oh, I don't know what's like right up my alley. It needs work from City of Angels, which is this Mm -hmm. woman who's singing to uh, a man she she respects and loves. And she's kind of like putting him in his place. She's super strong. She's kind of witty, comedic Mm -hmm. timing. It sits right in the meat of the belt range for me. Mm You know, it's like putting on a pair of very clear glasses for the casting directors. It's a vessel to which they can see my talent very clearly. Right. So, again, at the end of the day, I didn't shoot myself in the foot by choosing I'll know because I could probably make some really cool choices with it. And they can still see my talent enough to be like, let's call her back and have her sing something from the show. But there's too much thought, you know. Too much junk in the way. Too much thinking going on yeah. while you're watching that to make a clear choice about you. Yeah. Yeah, it's like literally putting the barricade from Lane Mrs. between me and the casting director. <laughs> they could still probably see me if they climb uh-huh. over it, but it's going to take a lot more effort. So, again, going back to the- <laughs> which, you know, whatever, flunting, I'm yeah, maybe, maybe almost out of my casting race or whatever. Um, oh, no, no, no. in popular songs, like you said, it's like you're taking a high risk. By doing mm-hmm. an overdone song, it doesn't mean you can't do it. And again, if mm-hmm. it's the perfect thing for you, then do it. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's a high risk investment. It's like, well, they may have heard it six times today, so uh, it needs to be in the center of what we call a strike zone yeah. for, to, for them to really hear and see me. Because at the end of the day, that's what you want casting directors to do. You want them to hear and see you and go, oh, that's what this person is. That's what mm-hmm. this human being in front of me is. And here's how I can use them as a part of my project. Brilliant. Very good. Tip number seven. Your professional vocal instructor or coach is your primary source for audition feedback. Trust your coach to know the industry and give you the information you need to be successful in the audition room. It is not the job of a casting director or artistic team to provide feedback on your audition, even though some are benevolent and do. 
a good vocal instructor or coach can select material that is within your dependable range and is character specific to your type. They can also assess and improve your performances. Research local vocal coaches in your area for credibility and results. I have um, eight episodes to this series, Decode the Secrets to Your Success. Um, mm -hmm. And this shows up in a few of them. So if yeah. you happen to listen to another episode and you hear this, it's important and um, yeah. And I wanted it in there because my, as I said, my studio is filled with professionals and I can't tell you how many times I've had to lasso people and go, hold on, <laughs> mm. you know, or I'll get a text message that says I want to email the casting director because no, they didn't, no, didn't get no. a cast back, call back or something. Just, and and what I want people to so understand, much. and I know you have a lot to say about this because you've worked on some dynamic projects. Mm -hmm. um, and um, um, basically what you're saying is why didn't you cast yes. me? Yes, because it, it, it has a subtext of, Tell me why you didn't cast me yeah. because of the position I'm in in the on the casting team, and <laughs> it's like yeah. this is not no it, it, because you weren't that. I always say I didn't cast you because I cast them. It's not right. about you if you didn't right. get it. It's about the person who did get it, and so this is not the time. Yeah, and Nick 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 put a point on it. I use my my metaphor is a recipe. Um, and, oh, right, right, um, yeah. and you have, you, uh, the team has a recipe yeah. and they need very specific ingredients to make right. the product. Right, cinnamon, you do not belong in that lasagna. Like, right. come back, right. come back when we're baking a pie. <laughs> right. <laughs> so great. And, and although that's hard to hear, it should be very calming to hear. And Nick, um, um, we did the audition process. And Chris Inslee was part of it because he sees that he's on the other side of the table for a lot of auditions. Mm -hmm, yeah, he and he was, he was talking about it. And Nick said, it's hard to talk. And Nick, Chris said, you know, you, you don't want to ask somebody that because they may just be making up something no. that really has nothing to do with you right. just to answer your question. And then Nick said, and you don't know how to explain to, to a tomato that, we didn't cast you because you're red. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, again, I think maybe the safest route to go is, um, you know, hopefully as a, as a teacher, I, mm -hmm. if I know a group of my students have gone to a call or mm -hmm. my, my people I'm coaching have gone to a call, um, I will reach out on behalf of them as a group to the artistic director and say, would you be willing to give me some blanket feedback on what, the, did you see any weird trends with my kids that came in or um, mm -hmm. here's, who, here's who was from my studio or my class or my school or whatever. Because mm -hmm. on the flip side of that, there are, a, there are times where there is an actor who's shooting themselves in the foot based mm -hmm. on something they're doing consistently. And it's like, mm -hmm. if they're in the professional world, when are they going to be told that? Um, but there you are know, a couple, but so, so if, if I'm a vocal if, coach, yeah. You know, because there's no opportunity for a casting director to contact a person and be like, hey, you're great, but like you came unprepared and that poorly reflected on you. And that's why, right. you know, but, you know, good coaches will maintain good relationships with the artistic yeah. directors in their region. There you go. That's um, To serve as the, the middleman, the vessel, mm -hmm. the filter of that information, right? And if you have a coach 
if you have a performance coach, vocal coach, vocal instructor, and you've picked well, the artistic directors and casting directors will know them. Yeah. And you will have put them on your resume because yeah. I do get phone calls <laughs> that say, I was say when, I, when my yeah. students are preparing, when my students, uh, like, I have a joke, you know, they, they're like, oh, well, I'm going to, I'm going to go do this. And they're kind of kidding around. Like, oh, I'm going to go, you know, sing this. Yeah. This ridiculous name off your resume. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Take my name off your resume. Because yeah, you know, exactly. This artistic director doesn't need to see my name on your resume. You're going to yeah. embarrass me. <laughs> I do that too. And it's like, well, I'm I like kind of kidding, so but I'm kind of, yeah, I'm kind of kidding, <laughs> yeah, right? but I'm kind of not. Like, yeah, really, no, but I have a different version. Like, you can take my name <laughs> off your resume. Yes, yeah, no, I love it. Don't embarrass me. <laughs> Point made. Um, <laughs> but, yes, if, if you have picked someone um, that knows the business and knows people, yeah. you will get the feedback. But yeah. if you're honest with your casting director or your, I mean, with your vocal coach or your instructor, and you let them know what happened in the room, they can mm-hmm. help make some sense of it. Mm-hmm. Because I have to do that a lot. I have a lot of people that will go, I don't understand. And so, well, what happened? What they say? What went on? What you do? And it's like, oh, okay, I see. And, mm-hmm. you know, and usually your your coach or your instructor knows the piece or the work. You know, and you'll say, your yeah, cinnamon, also, you belong in a pie. <laughs> also, having that filter um, also protects a performer from getting scarred, and this is controversial, mm-hmm. by a casting mm-hmm. director who is, God forbid, inconsiderate. Right. Yeah. Right. Not yeah. Just because someone's in a position of power, whether it's artistic director or a casting director, mm-hmm. doesn't mean their opinion is appropriate. Mm-hmm. Or right. um, you know, and you don't want you don't want to get especially now with the industry kind of opening up in terms of appropriateness for casting, there's mm-hmm. such a range of people who are traditionalists in terms right. of gender and, and right. race and you know, types for casting, body size, you know. Mm-hmm. And then there mm-hmm. are casting directors and artistic directors who are, for a lack of a better term, progress more progressive. So I also mm-hmm. say to my students, really take into consideration who you're auditioning for and consider the source when you're getting feedback. Mm-hmm. And you need to learn how to solicit feedback in an appropriate way, but also receive it in an appropriate way so that you mm-hmm. don't end up with some kind of PTSD or damage that's going to prevent you from moving forward. Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of times people solicit feedback and they're really not ready to hear it. You know, know? anybody could say to me, you're fat. And then somebody else would say, would not think that at all. And I don't need to walk around with information in my head that somebody called me fat. Right. And I spend a lot of time purging that information from people who have come to my studio and maybe have heard stuff like that. Well, but um, the source. It's like there are a few mm-hmm. here's in, here in Atlanta. I could tell you the theaters right now that have a more conservative. They need to and they need to cast more conservatively because of mm-hmm. their audience base. Right. right. They're right. just not going to mm-hmm. cast a woman of size in the role of Nellie in South Pacific. They're just not going right. to do it. Right. But there are other theaters in town in a completely different area of town who totally would. Yeah. You need to know as a performer who you're going in for. Like who you're going in to see, you know? Exactly. Tip number eight, embrace your voice. Develop skills that maximize your individual vocal gift. Embrace your individual timbre, range, and artistry. Mimicking other singers' styles and vocal production could create vocal damage and will journey you farther away from unique character development. Get an honest professional assessment 
and work to maximize your authentic you. Blessing and a curse. You know, I trained classically at Florida State, mm -hmm. and I had some teachers who I, I really felt like were trying to get a specific kind of sound out of me. And oh, yeah. I remember so many times in my brain thinking, this is not my voice. It doesn't sound like me. I feel like I'm just, especially studying classically, right? Sounds like this. Right? And, I, and again, so it's a blessing and a curse because the blessing is I learned, I mean, I just learned a lot about technique and my voice and how to make sounds and whatever. Mm -hmm. But then I had to relearn how to find my voice. And I, and I had a great, I'm grateful I had a teacher in my senior year who's there from the Met, who was a classical singer, but she was, a, a again, a progressive one in the sense that she was like, oh, just, I don't hear your voice. And I was like, oh, well, I was just told not to use my chest voice at all. And, you mm -hmm. know, there's some damaging mm -hmm. stuff out there. So, I would say then when I got to graduate school, uh, this is a funny little anecdote. The first time I heard anything like this, anyone say anything like this, was Justin Timberlake well, in an interview that mm -hmm. preceded his Future Sex Love Song concert mm -hmm. on HBO. They did an interview mm -hmm. with him. Who is this concert for? And he said, I'm dedicating this I concert to my I think we just broke up. Host. Back up and start talking about – talk, sorry, start – start over talking about Justin Timberlake for some reason. Sure. I when I was out. in graduate school, there was a concert, uh, Justin Timberlake concert aired on HBO at Madison Square Garden. I think it was the mm -hmm. Future Sex Love Sounds concert. Mm -hmm. And they did an interview with him, a little interview with him before the show for the, for the HBO special. And they said, who do you dedicate this performance to? And he said, I, I want to dedicate this tour, this performance to a vocal coach. I think her name was Rosie or something that he had because she taught him to sing with his voice. And and he said, I can't scream or scrout like Mick Jagger or like some of these other rock stars. Mm -hmm. She learned, she taught me how to embrace my voice. And to, to, for me to hear that after mm -hmm. four years of studying classically and being trained to kind of like gerrymander, for lack of a better term, my voice or try to fit it. Which I want to qualify, if that is the, the industry you're going into, that is something you must do. Right. Well, your well, instrument. Well, and I say, I say, I would say you used to have to do. What I would say now is because if I have a floatier, more indie voice, I can make shows that are like that are, you know, uh, Hades Town and Last Ship and stuff like that. Oh, my yeah. house. Yeah. But I have yes, to know yes. I'm taking a high risk by not diversifying my singing styles. Right. right. And that this is my wheelhouse, and I need to make sure that I end up in a market in which there's enough work for me to get with that wheelhouse, right? Right. But like, and, but like yeah. I see, I do feel like <clears throat> classical training took a lot of the soul out of my voice for a little while. And mm -hmm. I grew up, you know, singing '90s R&B with voice men, and so now, <laughs> right? Like I, I, I got to, I got to get it back to show it off, and now I, I consider it a strength. So it's more for my emotional well-being to understand, like this is my voice. This is what my voice sounds like, and that's there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep pushing mm -hmm. and stretching to diversify the styles I can sing with it, but I'm not going to try to sound like Kristen Chenoweth. The timbre and the construction of our larynxes are very different. Right. You know, right. so therefore, if I do sing anything from her repertoire, if I do sing 14G, I'm not going to sound like her. I'm going to sound like right. Amanda singing 14G. Right. Uh, and understanding that it's easier said than done. And so I think as a as a voice trainer, I try to actually start with repertoire that I feel mm, is in the mm -hmm. natural wheelhouse of the singer in order mm -hmm. to build 
just lay some building blocks of confidence first. Right. And then we diversify. And then we make sure that whatever is in the strike <clears throat> zone is in the audition book. And the repertoire mm-hmm. book has the things that kind of push the fringes of ability. Excellent. That is so good. Tip number nine. Actors and dancers who are adult beginning singers should learn to sing well. Join a choir. Hire a vocal instructor. Get in a show and sing. Musicals dominate the professional theatrical industry. A lucrative career will inevitably involve a singing audition and performing in a musical. Start getting ready. Great phrase that my colleague uses is every performer should learn to sing without intimidation. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So find a coach <clears throat> or a scenario that has the lowest form of intimidation to start. Wow. Explain that. Well, an analogy would be if, if dance is your intimidation, the lowest form is a Zumba class at a gym, right? Okay. Because you're going to mm-hmm. have all different types and sizes and shapes and abilities in that room, right? Mm-hmm. And so put yourself in the lowest risk scenario Okay. With the most positive person you can find, if you're in Atlanta, it's Amanda Wanza Morgan. Um, <laughs> but you know, like start and also start with the repertoire you like. Yeah. Everybody, if you're a yes. performer, I can assume everybody has a style of music that they at least like. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had people. I have a student. I don't know if you'll ever listen to this, but he started just singing along with karaoke YouTube's in his basement. He's one of Perfect. the most amazing singers I've ever had the <laughs> of teaching. He just didn't have the resources, right? Right. And he came to me being like, I want to do musical theater and eventually, and then I had him in that group voice class and uh-huh. he opened his mouth and I was like, what gift mm-hmm. from Jesus himself yes. just came upon me. <laughs> and we yes. sat down and I was like, what's your experience? He's like, I've just been singing along with YouTube videos I enjoy in my basement for the past And you know, there it years. is. Free. There it is. Other than the cost so, of, the, of Wi-Fi. You gotta start with thing with with your way in is something that you like. So if mm-hmm. it's karaoke, go like then go. And for that. all of us voice teachers, which yeah. you know it really wasn't a struggle for me, but it was an adjustment considering mm-hmm. who dominates my studio. When I have beginners, mm-hmm. there's certain songs I oh, absolutely <clears throat> let professional sing because it's callback material. Mm-hmm. You know you don't you don't want to go into oh. a casting director with the callback material that they're going to be using for a different show. You know, uh-huh. so uh-huh. stay away from Broadway material if you're in if your market is New York. Um, uh-huh. So unless you're going, you know, it's mm-hmm. part it's germane to your speak for that job. Um, but you know, in the studio with young people, if they want to sing something from Wicked, which is not a good example because that material is hard. Um, right. but, uh, <laughs> that, that's not beginning. Well, have, you know, I have a collection of material, especially since the class I teach is um, certain semesters are first come first serve. So I've designed mm-hmm. tech students take the class. I have, uh, you know, acting concentration take, majors take the class. Um, yeah. I, you know, a good vocal coach or Andy and or teacher hopefully will have like a selection of repertoire that's that's minimal in range, maybe an octave if less, that is actor friendly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, it is more generic in terms of like a great piece is if they could see me now from Sweet Charity, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? For yes. ladies, it doesn't go above an A. Um, mm-hmm. It stays in speaking range. It's super easy to put it in context. 
like, have you ever wanted to prove someone wrong? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. You can sing the song. You can act the song. Yeah, I have the same list of, of Golden Age material where yeah, the song is really strophic. Yeah. The rock song is strophic, and, the and it's a duet, but the male and female sing the exact same melody, so it's easy to teach in a voice class. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. you teach it just one in time? time? Is it just in time from Bells Ringing? <laughs> just in time. Um, 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 uh, Annie, get your gun. And anything you can do, I can do better. No, the the ease, the love song. Um, oh, I was like, I, I got lost in his arms. My defenses are down. Um, um, I am woman. You are. They say. Well, they say that falling in love is wonderful. Oh, there it is. There it is. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah, they both sing the exact. So I have a list of those songs from both the man and female. Yeah. Doing the exact same thing, so you can just teach yeah. it once. And, you know. Yeah, easy to be hard from hair is a great one mm -hmm. that I give actor singers. Um, yeah, so just find your way in again. Even if, if it, conversely, if it was dance and you're terrified, mm -hmm. don't go. Don't go straight to a ballet two class. Like right, Zumba, right. Hip hop aerobics is what it was offered when I was in college. Like yeah, go to your local gym and just get moving. Or now they have them all online on Beachbody on demand. You can do size. Uh, C I Z E. You could do that. There's like a country heat dance thing. Like mm -hmm. find your way in, whether it's yeah, TV or exactly. videos or. And I love know, that. I, I love that karaoke thing on the YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> on the YouTube. <laughs> on the right, YouTube. We do it. You know, I, I I set it up for my nieces and nephews. I pull out my mixer and a and a speaker, and we turn it on the now mm -hmm. all TVs. You can stream to the TV and. You have a little karaoke party in your house and there you go. low risk, low stakes, you know, and you just right. practice in the comfort of your home. It's fun. Now, when you want to get to skill development, join a choir. Um, yes. Oh, absolutely. There's nothing better to develop your musicianship and your sight reading skills than to join a choir. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Low yes. stakes, right? And you can sing quiet, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> you, mm -hmm. can, you have other people kind of lifting you up and it feels so good to harmonize mm -hmm. with other people. Like it shakes our bones, and you know. Such an excellent classroom for singing, as long as the choir <laughs> is making good sounds, you know. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're using music, you know, oh, most, music in your hand. And if, um, and if a church is a scary place, most um, cities have a gay choir or yeah, LGBTQ or civic choir. Civic, yeah, or civic choir. That's just a little, you know what I mean. And and you don't have to. Usually, you don't have to be LGBTQ to join one of those choirs. You just have to at least mm -hmm. be an ally. Yeah, um, and that's kind of fun if, if mm -hmm. you're in the performing arts industry, you know. Yeah, find some other some other folk who like what you do and who are in your yeah in your social Very circle. Good. <laughs> Very good. Good advice. Thank you. Tip number ten: Protect your voice. It's an instrument, and you only get one. Avoid conversations in loud restaurants and bars. Speak in mellow tones throughout the day and try to avoid frequent yelling and screaming. If you have consistent textured or raspy vocals, seek professional assessment. Also, assess your vocal volume throughout the day. Lower your volume and intensity. Speak softer and higher in your register. Employing vocal discipline will tremendously improve your vocal condition. You know, it's funny is like, <laughs> I kind of have, there's kind of a rule when I'm, the last time I was performing in a show was Spring Awakening, but um, when I'm performing in a show, there's kind of a rule in my house with my husband mm. that during tech, we don't get into any fights, you know, yeah. we don't really get into any fights anyway. Did that happen? No, no, no. But you know what I mean? Like I actually refuse to 
engage, right? Yeah. It's like, okay. I have check, you know? <laughs> uh, you know, this this is a tough one for, for performers because, again, yes. a lot of our jobs, our, our side hustles involve the voice usage. I've learned my lesson in terrible ways time and time mm. again. You know, mm-hmm. I was doing spelling bee down in Florida. I was playing Rona Lisa Peretti, and mm-hmm. I, we needed money, and I agreed to teach during the – once the show had opened, I agreed to teach during the day at a camp. Mm. And then I found mm-hmm. out later that it was first graders, and I was like, uh-oh. Mm-hmm. You know, because I thought, oh, no. Like, I can sing the I Love You song night after night, but I can't after eight hours of saying, come over here. Okay, guys. Yeah, no, Get no. your hands off of her. My bad. Yeah. And so I had to, I did have to sit down with my, we had teaching assistants. Fortunately, this is at Orlando Rep, and they have an amazing, you know, structure mm-hmm. and system there. And I pulled the teaching assistants aside, and I said, listen, I'm not going to yell. I will teach mm-hmm. when I'm, you know, I mean, I'll lead exercise and stuff like that. We have to come up with ways to silence the 26 first graders Ooh. without me yelling, right? So we had a drum, mm-hmm. we had a triangle, we had different sounds to use. Mm-hmm. I said, if they get rowdy, I need you. Like your first job is to make them be quiet and listen because I'm not going to yell. I'm just going to stand mm-hmm. there with the quiet mm-hmm. coyote signal in the air. Um, <laughs> another another thing that young people get caught in, long mm-hmm. distance relationships. If you're Ooh. in tech. You cannot tell your boyfriend or girlfriend or significant (laughs) other that you will stay up till one o'clock in the morning FaceTiming with them. You cannot do it. You have to say, I love you so much. Uh I will talk to you on March 15th. You've got to show me. (laughs) Yeah, right. We can text. We can get Uh on instant instant messenger. Wow. What is it, Amanda? 2004. (laughs) Um, We can get on Facebook messenger or whatever and and message back and forth. We can FaceTime and I'll hold up little signs, but like, like I love it. I love actually style, but I cannot, you know? And, and again, unfortunately, most performers learn the hard way, Mm -hmm. you know, by going through a process in which they, they lose their voice. So this is where in my studio, I make my students keep a practice log and it's not just about practice. It's a voice use log. Really? So there's a column for work in hours. There's a column uh-huh. for sleep in hours. And there's mm. a column in, um, there's a notes column. And I'm like, if mm. you go to, so those who live in Orlando, <laughs> if you go to the theme parks for someone's mm-hmm. birthday, mm-hmm. if you go out and have three margaritas and are at the mm-hmm. bar all night, mm-hmm. I don't need to know about your social life, but I do need you to keep track of your overall voice usage. Because the yeah. student will come in, especially like say a baritone. I'm thinking of one in particular that I worked with that mm-hmm. on a good day with proper rest, he had an A, easy, A4, easy. Oh, wow. Okay. Right? But he would come in once in a while and not be able to get above, above an F. And I would wow. know how many, and I would literally ask him how many hours because he had a sleeping problem. He had a, okay. he, dealt, he dealt with depression and anxiety. And okay. I would just look at him and go, how many hours? <clears throat> Three. And I go, oh, okay, wow. cool. And wow. I'd ask him at the beginning of every lesson because I knew to not vocalize and pass an F sharp. Don't even yeah. bother. Don't even right. bother. Right. Because he got three hours of sleep and, and he didn't sleep. Yeah. And you there's know? something. If you don't sleep, you can't go, you can't press no. the voice as high as you well, want and to. That, that connects to some other things we were talking about. Listen, performers, if you struggle with anxiety and depression or bipolar mm-hmm. or any other mental condition that affects your sleeping habits, that mm-hmm. affects your eating habits, if you want to do this as a profession, you, uh, we are here to support you. We are here to acknowledge and validate what you're going through with the chemicals in your body. Semicolon, mm-hmm. however, comma. It's your responsibility mm-hmm. to learn how to manage whatever you're going through so mm-hmm. that you can get the sleep you need, 
so that you can eat the food you need and so that you can properly take care of your machine because, right? And that's Mm -hmm. that means taking some time off from performing Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, to regulate your medications. And knowing the life you need to live in performance. You can't just go with the crowd. Yeah, they go to Chicago or New York. And they just struggle and struggle and struggle. And it's like, do you suffer from seasonal depression? Because if you do, you may not need to live in a place mm-hmm. that, like, shuts you down in, in the winter, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. If you go through a, a big a big emotional trauma, a death in the family or a breakup, like, mm-hmm. it's valid to take some time off instead of trying mm-hmm. to push through, right. you know, to, again, if you're not <clears throat> sleeping, like, if I don't sleep. If I, I always, I'm always a good sleeper. I'm knocking on my, on my wooden nightstand there. Um, (laughs) But if I sleep, if I don't get at least six hours of sleep, I mean, I usually get eight, but, but if I don't get six hours of sleep, God help you all the next day. Anybody in contact with me, my stomach's messed up. My voice is tired. My brain literally moves slower and it gets worse as you get older. It does. You know, you're, it doesn't even protect your voice, protect your body and your brain. Uh-huh. I and like your log. You it's yeah. very important because as I started to get older and was mm-hmm. still performing, mm-hmm. I knew how I knew I could only go out once. Yeah, when well, came to see a show. Yeah, you know you gotta like yeah. play with your kids and that's and, you or know because they're still little and they get up at the crack of dawn and you exactly. just got home. <laughs> you exactly. Know, so, exactly. Um, but, Thinking about yeah. that and how that works. Yeah. Yeah, and you have to know that kind of stuff. And if you have, which would happen, you know, as I got older, I was only in a show, you know, once or twice a year, mm-hmm. if that. And people would come to see it and they'd want to visit with me, but I had. Yeah. Um, <laughs> parameters yeah. I was yes. a major singer in the show yes. so it's like we need to go to a hotel lobby yes yes, yes 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 absolutely go somewhere that's really quiet quiet yes you can't go to the bar you got to go to steak and shake in the corner yeah <laughs> yes. house. and yes. we would find somewhere that had carpet and was quiet and maybe a piano playing in the background so that we could have a conversation and visit and mm-hmm. I would drink water while they mm-hmm. all drink whatever unless it yep. was Sunday <laughs> oh my god yeah well, yeah, and, and I mean, I don't, when I'm doing a show, I follow all the acid reflux rules, you know, I just okay. go ahead and proactively follow them, whether it's, I don't wait until it starts to affect me, I cut mm-hmm. out, I don't eat, I, I rearrange my eating schedule and my meal planning to make sure that I eat a good meal before rehearsal so that I don't eat after rehearsal before bed, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I cut out acidic foods and fried foods and alcohol. Um, yeah, and I just say like I'm doing song B. I just will, I get to drink on August 28th or whenever it's done, you know, and that's <laughs> yes, the end exactly. of the day. And like you know, especially once you're an adult, like you know, I guess unless you have a problem, like so you cut out alcohol for three months, like so what? Big deal. Go. Oh, I know. Water, you know, people, and this is the part of show business you have to be a that young people aren't aware of. <sighs> that you know, you you're not going to have a career if you don't do this. So no, you can't. Drink and party after every show. Well, again, I, I told my cast from Ragtime, I said, you know, well, we have understudies, but, like, those of you in the ensemble, because we don't have any swings, like, do not go skiing. Do not go roller skating. Right. Do not go rollerblading. <laughs> do not go skateboarding. Do not put your body in danger. Don't do it. You have a show. Yes. 
you know, don't do that. So same thing with your voice. Don't, if you're going to go to a theme park, you need to learn other ways to deal with going down the incredible Hulk without screaming. Like I, (laughs) yes. Unfortunately, I use profanity, but I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yeah. going down the hook. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm going to make some weird noises, y'all, that I cannot scream. I can't, I you know. This- I had right. this specific it's, it's the death of us, you know. Scream I would have on a roller coaster. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 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 down, yes. <laughs> down the roller coaster. Exactly. Yes. And, and again, you just gotta like you gotta draw your boundaries with your loved ones. Yes. Like I love you so much, but like mm-hmm. and there's a great book called um, Making It on Broadway. It's a cute little yellow book. And it mm-hmm. has, and there's also, uh, there's two other books. They're called The Untold Stories of Broadway. They're all okay. testimonials from Broadway performers, right? Oh, nice. And in the yellow book, the, the Making It on Broadway book that I got years ago, I got it when I was in college. My parents, my aunt and uncle bought it for me uh, for Christmas. And it has these mm-hmm. testimonials, and there's a whole section on this. And one of them was Marissa Joan Winokur when she was in Hairspray. And this was before text messaging, right? God bless it. Mm-hmm. Um she had her voicemail was hi this is marissa uh as you may know i'm doing hairspray right now so i can't talk to you if it's during the week leave a voicemail and give me your email address and i'll respond by email i can talk to you on monday and that's it nice. during the week she did not talk on the phone right oh, and wow. you just gotta draw your boundaries wow you gotta draw your boundaries. and you know initially that may seem extreme but it is so not it's so not because you're gonna it you're gonna so deal with your voice Right. You're gonna damage your voice long term and it's not worth it. Like yeah. my hands up in the air right now. Like it's not worth it. It was not yeah. worth it for me after vocal surgery to do Rocky Horror Show and Tony Dean's wedding. My oh. biggest regret in my life. Mm-hmm. But I felt like, oh, I need to do these two projects and it's not gonna be a big deal because but it was a big deal because I was also in grad school. So I yes, did not account were. for the rest of the voice use. If I had just mm-hmm. been doing those projects, who knows? Who knows what would have, would have happened? But like mm-hmm. I did not recover properly from my second surgery. I recovered amazingly from my first because mm-hmm. I had. And you had your surgeries because what did you have? I had a voc- I had vocal cysts, which were caused by an underlying issue called a sulcus, which is super rare. It's not that it's rare; it's super hard to identify because you can't identify it unless you're in laryngoscopic surgery, right? You can't see it on a scope. It's mm-hmm. a divot. It's a divot in the underfolds. Uh, the underlayers of your fold, essentially, in which mucus can accumulate and things and cysts can grow, essentially. Um, there's not a lot of research there on sulcuses, but I've, I've found all there is, right? Because I'm a mm-hmm. gnat and voice journal. Anyway, I had cysts on two different folds, and my first surgery to remove the first one went really successfully, and I had a really slow and steady uh, recovery process. Mm-hmm. And I worked with my voice teacher 15 minutes a day. She was wonderful about it. And mm-hmm. I worked my way back up, and then you know, nine months later, I was at a different institution. I moved schools and um, I had started had trouble again. So I went right to the ENT, got scoped, and there was a cyst on the other fold. So I had that surgery thinking like, oh, I know how I've been to this rodeo. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but then after the second surgery, I agreed to do these two shows because mm-hmm. they were all speaking. I was like, oh, I'm not singing. I'm just speaking. And I have my <laughs> whatever. And uh, yeah. it just wasn't it just wasn't the wisest way to go about it because I really I didn't listen I was stubborn and I thought I knew what I was doing because I'd been through it and mm-hmm. I didn't take the true quiet recovery time that I should have for the long term part of my career. Now you right. know I believe in Jesus and His plan and like 
my my life turned out the way it needed to turn out in terms of the way I I'm you know led mm-hmm. me into more Obviously. teaching and music drifting right it's great yeah but yeah. do I have regrets when I when I feel sure. that passaggio weak because of you know a couple hours of speaking or singing when I used to be able to like twirl 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 anything under the sun do mm-hmm. whatever I want without a crack sure and do mm-hmm. I think you know could all of this been avoided if I would have just said no and taken a whole semester to just do class and that's it. Yeah. Right. But I felt pressure, you know, to, to get take that the job. Experience. Yeah. Take the job. Off. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, okay, <laughs> you're taking a risk, boo. I know. You big know, picture. I have three kids in, in, in show business and in you performance do. and I'm constantly <laughs> saying bigger picture, pan out, bigger pan picture. out, just that. Pan out, look at the big picture. But yeah, yeah, very cool. This has been so incredibly valuable. I'm glad. You dig so much deeper into the vocal instruction, and you offer. um, I just, I just love what you have to say and what you have to offer. Thank you so much. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, there's great resources out there. Matt, Matt Edwards, uh, he has a great blog, an amazing blog. Sherry Sanders, VP Boyle, those are some of the people I really look up to. Who are who are in the industry? Matthew Hulk and all the new um, National Association of Teachers singing that book. So you want to sing books, which that's the, one of the books my chapter's coming out in. All those so you want to sing books. They cover all these different styles, and every single one of them has a couple of chapters on vocal health, hygiene, and pedagogy. That's good for that's anyone cool. that's just picking up one of the books, right? That's why it's in every version. So that okay, if you just want good. the country book, you, you still get those chapters on health, vocal health hygiene. Um, very good. There's some there's some real progressives out there in the voice pedagogy world that are that are really trying to make a positive change for helping people sing without intimidation and sing a variety of styles in a healthy way. Excellent. Again, thank you so much. This has been incredible. Thank you. Decode the Secrets to Your Success is a production of the Musical Theater Codex Studio. The series was written by me, Anita Inslee, with editorial support by Chris Inslee. You can find more about this topic on our website, which is www.musicaltheatercodex.com. That is theater with an E-R, not R-E. www.musicaltheatercodex.com.